You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Great evening, Drawing Board Nation. This is the founder and the host, Andre Ebron. And like I always tell you, I am dedicated to bringing you quality information from quality people. In light of all the recent circumstances, I am praying for all of those that have been impacted and affected by the coronavirus. Uh, I am also encouraging those who have not been impacted or affected by it. I know you may be operating by faith. I know you may be taking courage, but I also want you to be cautious. Just exercise good precautionary measures. Wash your hands. Uh, sneeze into your arm, don't touch anybody else, because while you are operating by faith, you must also operate within wisdom. Uh, tonight is a night, if the nation was in need of any type of motivation, uh, particularly surrounding the educational environment, in uh, interacting with our students, our families, the faculty and staff, tonight is a night that we need encouragement from our educators. So tonight we have a consummate educator, uh, someone who I know is an advocate to her core. I'd like to welcome Miss Brittany E. Washington to the show. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey, what's going on? So I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here for sure. Absolutely. Uh, who knew that we would be off work and be able to, you know, just get a chance to really, really delve into some situations regarding the educational environment that everybody needs direction on. So first, before we go into that, let me let them know a little bit about you. Uh, Brittany E. Washington was born and raised in Detroit on the east side. Put your E's up, all right? Brittany Washington attended DPS schools as a child. She graduated from Winans Academy of Performing Arts High School. Now, question, what what's your talent? Do you play an instrument? Do you sing? I actually do both. Um, I did vocal music as well as violin and piano. Oh, okay. We'll have to have you sing something tonight. Absolutely the Drawing Board not. Nation, <laughs> I know you want to hear her sing, so we're going to try to get her to sing something tonight. All right. And then after that, she later attended Michigan State University as well as Wayne State University, obtaining her B.A. in political science, majoring in sociology and minoring in math. Miss Washington is extremely passionate about changing the lives of children. This passion drove her to higher lengths as she became the founder and owner of Faith's Learning Institute. That's exciting. It is. It is. That is exciting. We're going to delve off into the name and what, what, because there's something in a name, right? It so is. So I want you to take me to that moment of when you decided or you had an epiphany or a revelation with like, this is what I'm going to name it, right? So the Institute is slowly becoming a staple inside the community when it comes to tutoring and ACT, SAT prep. When she is not running her business, she is a black millennial in education. She currently serves as the Dean of Students at Thurkle Elementary on Detroit's West Side. Brittany's commitment to education is steadfast and never-ending love. She is a radiant woman and a movement in her own way. Wow, Brittany E. Washington. That's powerful. She is a movement in her own way. Explain that to me. Um, Actually, I have to give kudos to 
the man who wrote the bio for me because I'm listening. I'm like, that's awesome. That is powerful. It is powerful. Um, it's great to have people around you that see the work that you do. Yes. Because sometimes we have a tendency to downplay ourselves. You just say, oh, that's just something I'm doing. But um, I just, you know, he knows who he is. I'm like, thank you um, for actually seeing the light in me and the work that I do. Um, as far as being a movement in my own way, more specifically, I dedicate my time to the work that I do. Um, and because it's dedication, then it's a movement. Um, you know, it's not like I'm just up flying by the seat of my pants, making choices without giving it further thought or with, uh, out even considering the people that I'm serving. Right. So that is what makes it a movement. I think that's awesome. Um, when I'm thinking about it, I'm sitting here. I always give my guests a challenge, right? I always give them a challenge. And sometimes it comes within the course of the conversation. Other times it comes, you know, at the beginning. So your challenge has come at the beginning. So before we even get into the dialogue, I, I imagined um, you having a foundation. Mm-hmm. And you have one of those names that just, you know, it, it's the Brittany E. Washington Foundation. Like, that sounds like major legit, right? It does. Yeah, it does. The, yeah, where'd you get your scholarship from? Oh, we got it. You know, the Brittany E. Washington Foundation. Uh, they give out hundreds of millions of dollars of scholarships on, you know, a yearly, or annual basis. So that is the challenge. I'm not sure when that's going to come to pass. But the Brittany E. Washington Foundation, if you like that, drop something in the comments below. Uh, make a statement. Let us know that you support that. And so that is my challenge to you. And so I know Faith Learning Institute would be a part of that foundation, but the parent company could definitely be the Brittany E. Washington Foundation. What do you think about that? It actually sounds pretty good. And I know that you are a faith man. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, here we are. Something else to do. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So talk to me about um, like your journey toward education. Like the question I used to ask when I interviewed teachers, uh, I would say, why do you teach? So, if I have to be absolutely very honest, um, I never wanted to go into education. As a child, I was like, oh, I'm going into the medical field. Um, I want to be a a physician. I want to be a surgeon. And um, very early on, my godmother told me, she was like, you have a heart to serve. She was like, you're going to go in education. And I was like, yeah, ain't nobody doing that. Ain't no money in education. Right. Um, She was like, yes, it is. Wait, just wait for time to see. Um, I have a very interesting story, and people always laugh, and they're like, that's not true, but it is. Um, A gentleman told me that he was praying for a math teacher, and he was sitting in his office, and he was like, Lord, I need a math teacher. Lord, I need a math teacher. And he said from he also had to tell me this. He said it was extremely hot because he likes the heat and there were no fans moving. He said from the top shelf, from the top of a bookshelf, fell this piece of paper. Okay. And the piece of paper was actually of one of my math teachers who had interviewed for a position at his school like 12 years earlier from from the time frame when he was actually praying for one. 
So he was like, I'm getting ready to call her. So he called her and she said, well, I actually just had a had lunch with one of my former students. She was like, I'm pregnant. I'm in the nursing field. I'm not in education anymore. She was like, but she's phenomenal in math and I want you to consider. So she calls me and she's like, I got a job for you. And I'm like, what? She was like, this guy says he need a math teacher and you would be great for it. So call him X, Y, and Z. Um, I called him. He gave me a tour of the school and he was like, you're hired. And I said, you have no idea if I can teach or not. And he said, when you walked in the room, the Lord told me there she is. He was like, so you, you're my math teacher. And that happened in 2009. Wow. And I have been in the field of education ever Ever since, since. like ever since. Um, that was the summer of 2009. I was supposed to graduate in December. And I was like, I want you to know that my degree is not in education, nor am I certified. And he was like, this is a private school. You don't have to be. He was like, all our T's are crossed. All our I's are dotted. You're good. Like, I found reasons for him not to hire me. And, but, he, and he kept moving your <laughs> and he kept, He kept like, no, this is what it is. So ever since then, this is where, this is where I've been. And... um I'm a firm believer that everywhere you go prepares you for where you go next. Okay. Um, so that just goes in line with, you know, your steps are being ordered. So um, it was a great opportunity. I learned a lot. I took all of my experiences with me for the next phase and just kept moving. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So I pull out and I extract principles as people talk. So. Put it in the comments below. Everywhere you go prepares you for where you go next. And, of course, that's in line with, as you say, the biblical truth of the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So have you written that down, though, like that account? So I have. And um, even some of my staff members at my school will even tell you that when they've had challenging moments, I've told them, like, everything that is in you right now is for this moment because— you have been prepared. So, and there are times when I have to tell myself it because I'm like, oh, and it's like, no, you have this because I'm prepared for it. That's good. I think there's somebody out there needs, and you seem like you got prophetic unction on your life. So you can go ahead and speak to them. Like in this moment, this challenge, this trial, this tribulation that the nation finds themselves in, even though seemingly we are unprepared, um, for those who individually have to experience things, everything in you that you need for this moment, you are prepared for. Absolutely. That's good. So now I'm, I'm picturing this because I'm very visual, right? Right. So I, I, I can see this almost like a motion picture, right? So this man, you know, uh, and generally uh, when uh, the principal like that, it's the end of the day, the tie is loose. You know, he's talking about. You know, providing the best service for his kids. He's lost teachers. You know, he's gang teachers. Probably came into that leadership role to there to kind of like revamp and bring excellence back to another level. And then sitting there like, Lord, you know, I need a math. Can't you picture this? Absolutely. Like, Lord, Lord, I need a math teacher. And then as he's praying and, uh, you know, the, the room is a little dusty because uh in some private schools, the technology is a little little antiquated, you know, methods. And that was definitely the right. case yeah. in that building. Yeah. And so he's sitting there and there's like a bookshelf right here. His desk is like right here. It's like a rug right here, some chairs. <laughs> and, you know, like over there, like and then like the how some walls have like a back bookcase against here and then floats from the top of this, you know, 
this uh, bookshelf a paper and it just lands on like, you know, his prayers have been answered. Right. And so he he dares because here, here's the faith, though. He dares to take the paper that fail and make the phone call. Absolutely. Not knowing that it was going to tie him to me. Right. And it's it's very interesting because um, when he told me, I was like, are you being dramatic? And he was like, no, I'm telling you how it happened. So, yeah, it was very interesting to say the least. That's amazing. (laughs) And then like the faith that it took for you to like accept. I mean, because you're a woman of many talents, you know. Absolutely. And very driven, very dedicated. Uh, very methodical about, you know, next steps. And um, for you to just, like, go with the flow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was that was that a challenge to go with the flow? Um, It was. Um, at the time, I was working for, I was actually working in the healthcare field, and I just was kind of um, seeking about what my next steps were. Like, it was the summer. I was due to graduate in December, like I stated. And, you know, when you are getting close to graduation, you're like, what am I getting ready to do? What What's next? So um, that's the space that I was in. And I just was like, mm, okay, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to trust your faith, and we'll see what happens from here. Okay. So now take me, 2009, you're a math educator, um, you know, young in the field, uh, what would you say was like one of your greatest challenges as a math teacher? Um, our students, and when I say our, I mean students of color, are not passionate about mathematics. Okay. Um, and it is because for so many years, people told them that you don't use it in the real world. And because of that notion, which is not true, um, students are lackadaisical about it. And not only are they lackadaisical about it, students also, um, they feel like their educational ability is genetic. So they'll say stuff like, oh, well, my mom isn't good at math. So True. I'm not good at math. When those things are not necessarily the truth. Um, math is all about application. Okay. So um, you could have your weakest link and you can have your strongest link. The work that you put into it is the work that you're going to get out. Yes, there are some issues that are more complex and it may be easier for somebody to grasp it. But that's just like if you have a um, if you have athletics, if you have somebody who is willing to run a 400. Yes. Because they have the heart to run the 400. Quarter horse. Yes. Right. They are going to do what they can to run the 400. Now, if you have somebody that just got pure, sheer ability to run the 400, they're going to run it. However, the dedication and the heart to do so is going to be different. So um, that was and still is. Just um, when students come to my office and they have trouble with math or whatever the case is, um, getting them to understand that it is not something that you do not use. Will it look different? Absolutely. But you still use it. That's good. So how do we how do we get kids to see the relevance of mathematics in their everyday life moving forward? Um. It's a cultural shift, one. 
something that DPSCD is doing is they are marriaging subjects. Like they're making sure that students see ELA across all subjects. Right. Um, so that's beneficial. But giving kids real life application, um, because take, for example, with geometry and math in general is problem solving. And our kids lack problem-solving skills. They also lack conflict resolution skills. Math builds all of those things. Um, I have an equation. I have to figure out the necessary to to solve it. I have to apply these functions to get an outcome. Um, and, and that's what life is. Also making it relatable because they don't see themselves in it. I don't know how to apply it. I don't know how to use it. It doesn't benefit me in any way. And that's the conversation. Like, oh, I'll have to use this, but but you do have to use it. So that's the benefit. That's good. Uh, Chris Emden out of New York talks about reality pedagogy, um, bridging that gap, not just making it culturally relevant, but applying it to something that that child is currently experiencing that they know and can see themselves, A, culturally reflected in what they're learning, and then B, it allows them to solve a current problem that they are facing. Absolutely. And uh, you as a math educator being able to build that bridge for them uh, sparks their ability to learn. I, I feel like when people have a measure of success at something and you show them a pathway to where they could achieve more, that they're more inclined to go that direction because you've made them aware of their capabilities and the possibility of them succeeding at it. That's good. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I see you. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I and, agree. Uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, looking on you as one of the, you're a dean of culture at Thurkle, and uh, I'm interested how you went from math educator to, to dean uh, because that jump from the classroom to administration, like, why did you feel that that was something like within your journey that you wanted to do? Um, that's kind of interesting, too. Um, so I went from I actually went from the classroom to before I was a dean, I was a uh, I did parent work. Okay. And um, when I left the classroom, it was because I felt like. There was kids needed a little more, and that's why I went in the avenue of servicing parents because you get parents that say, oh, I don't know this new math. When it's not necessarily new math, it's a new practice at a way of solving something. Um, Especially like Singapore math. Oh, have you (laughs) – Singapore math? Oh, listen, when my kids were in second and third grade and they came home with Singapore math, my wife and I were on YouTube trying trying to figure out. I said, "Now listen, I know how to solve this problem. I do. I know. I know the answer to it. I can show you a way to get it done. But you're still going to get it wrong because it is not the way that you're. It's not the method that your teacher is teaching you. But I do know how to do this. So we're on there trying to figure out this Singapore math, and uh, it is challenging. I'm just telling you. From, it is. From, yeah, from it a is. Perspective. I was like, what is this? It is. And oftentimes a lot the necessary resources are not given to parents. Um, And also parents don't feel welcome in like school environments. They feel inferior or judged or, um, you know, just looked down on for various reasons. So I went in that avenue and then. um, Before you go that route, I want to ask this question. So because here's the thing. Just think about your household, right? 
if I'm going somewhere where I feel inferior, judged, you know, any of those things, am I going to send my child in there? So most times they don't. But what what happens is, is out of necessity, they send their children. Oh, wow. Um, so I know that a lot of schools have been doing work at breaking down barriers for parents to feel welcome for them to participate, to have an open space um, where their voices are heard. And it is important because in servicing the whole child, their parents are very important and their minds need to be shifted for them to understand, like, you are your child's first teacher. And not only are you your child's first teacher, we need you in positive ways. Don't just come up to the school to go off on an administrator or a teacher, Absolutely. but come up to the school to say, hey, can I sit in my son's math class? So that way when he come home, I can I can assist him. Right. Um, how can I be a service? Because I know that there's a shortage of black dads. So can I stand in the hallway and guide kids to class? Um, just... You know, just servicing kids in more in a more positive way would be beneficial. And just getting just parents having an understanding like, you know, you are welcome because your kid is welcome. Like we can't do this without you. That's right. And I think that it is all a an exchange or a balancing of power. Uh, we were having this conversation before we went on break and I have this conversation quite often. Uh, with people when, as it relates to positions, right? So we're talking about shifting from classroom teacher to administrator to leading schools to overseeing schools is that no one can give me any more power. Like my own personal power. And, you know, as a believer, we believe that the Holy Spirit, that resurrection power, th- there's no greater power than that that's resident inside of me. So no matter what position I shift from, it is a matter of knowing how to leverage the influence, not so much exercise the power. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those of you who are thinking about going into administration, you will have a tough hill to climb if you're searching out power. Uh, because you can have all the power in the world, but if you go into that school and you're not able to influence the teachers to actually follow the vision that you have set forth, you will have all the power. And you will have no results. <laughs> Absolutely. Because yeah. people are just reluctant in their own way all the time. So um, having using wisdom and being able to be relatable are beneficial necessities. <laughs> not even just uh, it's not even something you can choose being an administrator. Absolutely. So you went from being a classroom teacher to you start doing parent work. Yes. And then within the parent work, uh, what, do you, what do you find? What was the greatest joy of doing that work? Um, parents finding relief. You know, the also just them saying, you know, my narrative has changed. Um, or people not feeling ashamed to tell you what they've been through or not being judged for what they've been through. Um, There were times where I came across parents who were my age and they had six children. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, God, or wow. Um, But certain things in life led them to, to those situations. 
and now they're in a situation themselves where they cannot be the best parent for their child, even though they want them to be. Right. Um. So it was interesting enough, and it was it's a hard work. Like it is a hard work, and it takes a lot of dedication and diligence. I guess that's even with all aspects of education, classroom, um, community outreach, administration. You definitely have to have a certain level of passion mm-hmm. to deal with it, because otherwise, it's definitely not for the faint at heart. It is not for the faint <laughs> at heart. Your your day. <laughs> Uh, is layered with all the I posted a question before I came in here. Uh, do we talk about our resilience just as much as we talk about our trauma? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But do we talk about our resilience as much as we talk about our trauma? So then you go from parent work into being a dean. Now, yes. Now, give me that jump. Give me how does that go? So you, you got best of both worlds. So you serves the 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 children. And then you get a chance to interact with the parents. And now as the dean, you're responsible for that overall. Like every stakeholder in the in the community has to come to you. Absolutely. Um, it was a road that um, it was a road that I was on and. There were some changes that were made that I didn't have that I necessarily didn't have control over. And someone from human resources said, I think you should apply for this position. And I did apply and um, I had to wait clearly for some time. And then I got a phone call one day and I interviewed for the position and the principal was like, I want you here. Um, something that I will say is that sometimes we don't always tell people exactly where we are or we, um, you know, we're secretive when, you know, you may be going through something or when you have views about certain things just because you don't want, um, you don't want people to talk about it or you don't want to be looked at a certain way. However, there is a benefit in being transparent just about who you are, because even when I got the phone call about you should apply for this position, the person that called me from Human Resources, she didn't know much about me. She knew that one, I worked at um, I worked at a school that her students went to, which was the first school I started at where the chancellor had prayed for a math and teacher. The falling, <laughs> yep, yes, the yes. falling the paper. The cascading paper, right? <laughs> so it was that. And then she knew what I had been through with um, with the transition from the district with my previous position. And she recommended that I apply. So I did. Um, and I guess the rest is history. I'm like, it's murder, she wrote. <laughs> right. So it's just favor every step of the way. Like God has a way of positioning people, of letting you know that a door is open. Absolutely. And even just positioning people to say, I hear you. And you need that. Sometimes you're like, uh, and he's like, no, I got you. I hear you. Right. You're good. Yeah, you're good. We're, we're going to go ahead and actually, uh, I got a door open for you right here. And so uh, I think in my estimation of just watching you and listening to you at the meetings that we have, a uh, very learned person, uh, very passionate. I love fighters. I do. I, I love <laughs> fighters uh, just because um, they are 
willing to stay committed until they get the result that they envision in their spirit. So not just, oh, we got a result. No, we won't stop until it's excellent. Uh, that's good, but we're going to continue on until it's excellent. And so I think that you are uh, one of the best deans in the district. Um, Thank you. You definitely, you know, are at a Thurkle is is not for the faint and heart as well. It it's is not, not. It is not um, for it's not, and it's no cakewalk. But when I see you, your your spirit seems resolute to still uh, to not just persevere, not to just survive, but to cause the young people and the parents in your in your school to thrive. Absolutely, uh, to become aware of their God given potential. So salute to you. And so talk to me as a dean, like being a dean of culture. I tell people we have the best and the worst position in the school, Uh, the best position because we get a chance to touch all of the different facets that makes the school go. Right. So from the instructional piece, uh, not so much facilitating it, but the work we do influences really time on task or helping people with classroom management. Uh, we're there to help facilitate the vision of the principal as well as the district uh, to support the teachers, to support the children, to teach, educate uh, and watch this and to facilitate and put out every conflict in the building. Like, And that's just a fraction of our job. Like, <laughs> I haven't even got to the meat of it. So you say, man, that sounds like a, this is every single day, every day, every day. And so. For you, what are the best and the worst parts of of our position? Um, The best parts are seeing conflict resolved, Um, whether it is giving, letting a teacher know, I got your back, or whether it is a parent understanding, like, this is, this is our systems, and you are supported. Um, Or if it is a student coming up to you, telling you, thank you. Yes. Um, Because the profession as an educator, no matter if you are custodial staff, if you are a paraprofessional, a dean, a teacher, being in a school, you are in a thankless profession. Oftentimes people do not say thank you for the work that you do. So just um, having those moments where, and something that my principal says on a consistent basis um, is, are you somebody's rainbow? Are you somebody's rainbow? Are you somebody's rainbow? And being able to say, I had a rainbow moment today where you gave somebody light through, you know, after their storm. Um, That is, uh, those are rewarding moments. The difficult parts. The difficult parts, yes. <laughs> um, it could be that same parent who told you thank you for doing something for their kid, but they came up to the school with a vengeance and all of their cousins. <laughs> um, and you still having Everybody. To, right. <laughs> and you still having to be diplomatic and sane in your choice and also not emotional because you can say, hold on, we were just here and... I did X, Y, and Z for your kid, but now we are at this point, and this is your response to me. So it's um, it's it's having a level head, knowing that it may not necessarily be you. It could just be the emotions that people are combating, 
And then even in those moments, they come back and they say, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have came at you that way, especially because of, you know, you did so-and-so or you helped with this, but I was going through this. And it's just giving people an opportunity to have a space where they can be vocal. Um, Yes. (laughs) I liken this to first responders, right? So first responders come upon the scene when it's in its most traumatic state. So we end up being a safe place to land for all of the emotional stress, mm-hmm. uh, the traumatic incidents, the frustration. Like, oh, we become that safe place to land. That is if we don't respond emotively also. But and we don't get it right all the time. We but, don't because we're know, human. Yeah, we're human. But we become that safe landing place for people to actually pull up, leave their bags, Let's sort through it. Let's see what's necessary for the journey. Solve the conflict and then send them on their way. Now, here's the question that I have for you. What do you do with all of the weight that you're given each day from interacting just, you know, and serving others on a daily basis? What do you do with that? It's difficult um, because there are times when I am sleep and I am dreaming about work like Dreaming about walking down the hallways, making sure kids are in their classrooms, making sure teachers have what they need. And then I have to um, take a moment to actually decompress Um, the same things that I tell my students. I have to tell myself um, this year alone, I have been practicing not being so hard on myself because my friends that are the closest around me, they know that I am very hard on myself. So um, just giving myself an opportunity to breathe, whether it is doing affirmations or taking moments to make sure I read a daily devotional or um, doing something for me, whether whatever that something is, um, reading, just actually having moments to decompress because we have a tendency just in general, to go from one thing to the next thing. So you leave work, you go to school, you go home, you do whatever, and there's actually not even a moment, even if it's just in the car, where you actually have decompression time. So that is something that I have been instituting for myself, for my own mental health and my physical health. Um, And it's important. Like, we don't realize how important it is because we just go. And then you just go until you like, oh, my goodness, I got a migraine. Right. And then you don't realize um, that your migraine is a buildup from you carrying everybody else's weight. Um, I had a conversation with one of my teachers. Actually, I think it was like Thursday of last week. And I was telling her, I said, you have to allow your cup to be refilled so that way you can pour into the lives of these kids. Because if you do not, then you come at them with all of the stress from your life as well as the stress that they've added to your life. Because we become everything. We become um, psychologists. We become social workers. We become mom, dad. We become... Lawyers, doctors. Every... uh, Everything. Referees. (laughs) Everything. Everything. Yes, and... Becoming everything for one individual, um, for a teacher or 26 individuals 
is a lot. And I told her, I said, imagine the plate of, you know, some of the administrators. I'm like, it's 617 kids in our bu- in, in my building. I said, so you're becoming everything for your homeroom class. I'm like, you got to take a moment to actually take a step back to just understand the dynamics that everybody, every role plays in this building. And she was like, I feel so bad. And I'm like, don't feel bad. Just take it as a stepping stone to move forward. Like, how can I just, and she, and she took it and she was thankful. So it's important. Self-care is important. Even if you don't know what to do, finding something to do yeah, is what, beneficial. What are some, uh, for yourself, you said getting some decompression time. What are some other techniques that you could suggest to others uh, as far as some self-care routines? You said affirmations, so, emotionals. I have a girlfriend uh, who just became a yoga instructor and something that that they teach them in yoga is you put your head um, like below your chest and you take deep breaths because what it does is it focus you folk. It takes the focus off of what's going on and then you hear your heart and as you hear your heart. It slows down. So even when I was talking to her before I was coming here, she was like, if you get nervous, bend down, put your head here and take deep breaths. So that way you can do X, Y, and Z. And I was just like, I'll be fine. Thank you. I found another challenge. (laughs) Here we go. Another challenge. And you got a month off work to do it. Okay. So you can do it for, I want you to write it for the entire district. Okay. Okay. All right. So it is going to be a self-care routine. And the title of it is going to be Hear Your Heart. Okay. And while in your heart, what most of us are considering are the needs and the hearts of other peoples, people, peoples, people, sometimes we do it to the chagrin and neglect of our own heart. And then, you know, we're all doing the calm classroom piece, but like to actually quiet ourselves to hear our own heart. Sometimes to slow ourselves down to recognize our own thought. Uh, who do you need? Who do you need you to be in this moment? That's really excellent. Yeah. So that's a challenge. Yeah, it is a challenge. And listen, I know you can do it. Uh, there, I'm sitting here. There, there's layers to this, right? Absolutely. And uh, there's a process by which you would be able to help people heal because they haven't taken the time to hear their heart. So you know, for me. And us being people of God, God speaks to what? The, the heart of men, right? And Because out say, of the right, abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth speak. speak. Yeah. And out of the issue of your heart, I mean, out of the heart flows the issues of, of life. life. Yep. And so uh, David says, thy word have I hidden in my heart. heart that I might not sin against you. So like telling people, like taking the time to hear their heart and... What I can see powerfully, you know, people get into teams, you know, and just kind of, well, now we won't be holding hands now, but, you know, <laughs> but like allowing themselves to quiet themselves, like to hear their heart. And if we do it, we'll do it now for a second. We're going to do this exercise. This is totally impromptu. I want you to join in. We're going to take like 45 seconds and we're just going to quiet ourselves to hear our heart. And then whatever you feel led to write or to speak out in your environment, that will come from a place of you just communing and meditating. For us, it will be with the Lord because the Lord will speak to you when you quiet yourself and you allow him to, as we use the word decompress or meditate. Let's try it for the next 45 seconds.
Okay, now slowly open your eyes. Britt, what did you get out of that? What did you, what did you hear? I felt refreshed. Um, and the word I heard is enough. So you with it and apply it in any way that you can. That's good because self-awareness always comes before self-regulation. Uh, one thing about awareness is that awareness invokes responsibility. It's true. Like, so the more you know, yeah, the, the more, more you're you, responsible right. for. And so, so when you quiet yourself and you're able to hear your heart, it will not only give you a sense of responsibility, it will also give you a sense of stability. So here's, listen, and this is part of the Brittany E. Washington Foundation. All right. So don't be out there talking about hear my heart and going to your workshops. No, this is credited. This is Brittany's workshop because I already listen. I hear I I see your intent. Don't do it. If you put it down there, you better credit her name. All right. So I think that is powerful. I think that is powerful. I'm excited. Yeah, because I I can see you like facilitating that. And uh, do you remember uh, when Jones had me in there crying? You know. (laughs) And it was good. It was a pies, pies exercise. But, like, essentially what we had to do was confront that which was hidden. Right? Yep. And, like, hear your heart. Uh, I don't know. I'm hearing this. Uh, What's that? What's that song? Hear my heart. Something like, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm hearing this, like, rap song in my head. Hear my heart. But either way it goes, um, this is going to be a powerful exercise. It is. I'm interested in, uh, like, you all collaborating uh, really making it signature, you know, to you. Uh, go ahead and copyright and trademark it. I am. Yeah. So we're going to work on yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's going to be powerful, you know, and just allowing educators and people, other human service professionals, even children, uh, to trust the God that's in them, you know. Absolutely. And like when you, he he's speaking, but he can't hear over the noise that you, you can't hear him over the noise that you're creating, right? And we have a tendency to create our own noise. Create our own noise. Just because we're uncomfortable with silence. Yep. Like I know some people were watching and they were saying, oh, my goodness, Ebron's going to actually have some what they call dead space on like a, a radio show, on a podcast. Like that's like people will log off. It wasn't for you then. But some of us are so uncomfortable with silence because then we have to hear ourselves. But then that that voice that comes to counteract any perspective that doesn't align with what's good for you. Like even when a negative thought comes up, like something speaks in you to counteract that negative thought. It's true. And you and it leaves you with a choice. It does. Of which thought you will embrace. So this is for that person that says, you know, Ebron, I'm trying to get rid of these negative thoughts. You don't get rid of a negative thought with a positive thought. You get rid of a negative thought with a positive word. So you got to speak out of your mouth something positive and it silence the negative thought. I'm going to take you back. I grew up in church, yes. Oh, I'm definitely a, a church boy. But they said, uh, you know, you got to bind those thoughts. You do. Yeah. They come to speak because what will happen is you'll embrace it as your own thought, and it's not your thought. It's a thought from the enemy that comes to distract you from the greatness that is resident within you. And then you will also question the thought that was implanted in you that was supposed to grow seed. You say, you start to doubt it, like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? But it's because you're not speaking the word or life. That's it. That's so. it. 
And so we were talking um, before we started airing, and I asked you, I said, why do you teach? Why did you go into teaching? And, wh- and what did you say? So my response to you was um, to change the lives and to leave an imprint on the lives of the students that are in my pathway. Um, I didn't say this to you, but I said this to one of my friends. I said, um, as an educator, every day you have your Michelle Obama, Barack Obama moments where you're walking down the hallway and your students are like, Miss Washington, Miss Washington, Miss Washington. And, you know, they're coming to give you a hug because they are excited to see you or excited to give you some level of good news or just um, just being able to be touchable for them. But what I did say to you was, is we all have that those educators who either planted seeds or watered something in us or pushed us to greatness. And we remember who they are today. And I want to be that for my individuals. I want them to say, she saw this in me. She fought for me. Um, When I had to go to court, she went to court with me. When my mom died, she was at the funeral. When I didn't believe in myself, she believed in me. Um, Giving them examples to live by because they don't know the communities that we come from. That's right. Um, Sometimes they see the end result and they don't understand that, you know, it could have been we grew up in areas where people did the same things that they're doing in the area you live in. Um, Just giving children an opportunity to see greatness and knowing like I'm not perfect, but I'm working at it and you could do it too. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Why is that important to you? Um, so I was having a conversation with another one of my friends and I told them, I said, my dad went to work every day and I didn't know that shingles hurt it. Like, um, we all know that shingles attacks your nervous system. Yeah. But he went to work with shingles. And it wasn't until I was older that I understood just how bad or how severe shingles is. Um, and I was like, well, dang, my dad went to work every day when he had it. He had to be in a lot of pain. I say that to say the reason why it's important is to be able to be a model for somebody to make a change. Um, because if we don't have a model, then we we do what we see. And we see so much ratchetness. We do. Um, that's what's promoted. And our, our students, the generation that we serve, they want everything popcorn. And not only do they want everything popcorn, they they just don't. Their limits are based on what they can see. So being able to see somebody as myself, um, other people's other people that are serving in the same capacity that I am in, um, other people that are extending compassion and care changes their narrative. 
we take a survey at work and one of the questions that is asked to our, our students is, do they feel like they belong? Do they feel like somebody cares? And it hurts when they come to an institution that they spend more time at than they do at home and they say that nobody cares about them. Yes. Um, especially when you know that you genuinely do care. So it's important to me that yeah. they know, like, she cares about me and that she's an example. I think that's awesome because when we talk about changing and shaping lives, the first responsibility is to model the way. And uh, so many people want to talk at children. Mm-hmm. They want to try to tell them what to do. Uh, I, in my earlier years of being a dean, I remember there was a um, a teacher, and this is this is way back. This is before I was seasoned with a little more grace, because uh, I'm an advocate for children first and foremost. Uh, and this kid just would not vibe with this teacher. And so I asked the question, a very pointed question. I said, tell me something about this kid. And it was silence, just like it was silence now. I said, you want him to listen to you for 45 minutes, and you won't even take the time to get to know him for five minutes. Relationship is everything. It's everything. It is everything. It is, it is the great equalizer. You know, I learned, um, I learned that a very interesting way in my early experiences teaching i had a student who he looked for opportunities to create conflict um or seek attention just i can't even put into words the level of how consistent he was at finding any opportunity to do not the right thing, but the wrong thing just for attention. And I was like, what is going on? Right. What is it? But after having, having conversations with his parents, I realized I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. I see. I see some things. But during that time when he would create situations, I wasn't trying to get to know him. My focus was, is our classroom is quiet when he is not here. Right. But when I took the opportunity to actually spend time with him, then all of that shifted. Um, And then I was like, okay, my approach has to be different because we learn from our experiences. You know, we're some totals of everything that we've been through. But that one and we all have had that one. That one. (laughs) Yes, we have. We have. Yes. Um. Teaches you a lot, but the core of solving that issue is relationship because nine times out of nine, relationship was not prevalent with that one. With that one. And it, it was, and listen, teachers that, you see all these memes and stuff that's out there now uh, talking about uh, the controversy between parents and teachers now that parents have to have their children for three, you know, four weeks. But the reality of it is, we can live in the same household. We can show up to the same place every day. We can even share the same DNA, but that doesn't mean that we have relationship. That is true. That doesn't mean that I believe that you value my thoughts and opinions and how I feel. That doesn't mean I feel accepted or belonging or that I belong inside of your classroom or even inside of your home. 
And you think just because we're kin or just because we show up to the same place or we look alike that we have relationship. And that's not the truth. It's not. Relationship takes effort. It takes time. It takes commitment. And it takes communication. That's good. That could be part of that, that breakdown of hear my heart, you know. And so, listen, Brittany, we have about five minutes left in the show. This time has just gone by fast. It has. I look forward to having you back on the show. And if you are, uh, if you're willing, we can even bring some of those friends that you were talking about. We can. Yeah, bring them on the show. I'm interested to kind of see that dialectic, you know, piece happen and how it breaks down. Because there is so much more to your story that we didn't get to this time that I believe will be a blessing to those uh, who are listening on. And here's what I have to say as we close out. Uh, I want you all to know that every place that you feel inadequate, that God's strength is sufficient. Uh, his strength is made perfect in your weakness, that no matter where it is that you don't feel that you measure up, Brittany told you tonight that you are enough. She told you to quiet yourself, allow yourself to hear your heart, decompress from those just going day to day. Mom, I know, hey, I know it's a lot to do. I know you have to prepare dinner. I know you have to get the kids together. I know you have all these responsibilities. But guess what? If you don't take care of you, Think about everything else that will succumb to a great defeat because you didn't invest that time in yourself. Oh, I can't make. Yes, you can. You can make time, even if it's waking up 10 minutes early to just have that moment before the whole house wakes up. We have now only a couple minutes left. And Brittany, what are your just final words? And then tell them where they can find you. Um, Parents, take this time to actually build with your students. I know that you will have them for weeks on end, um, but do not get short with them because it is a different learning environment for them as well. Um, That's good. Yes, that being short is very important because we know that when our kids do not perform, we have a tendency to yell or, you know, our fuses blow. So just be patient with them as well. Um, you can find me at Miss Brittany Elaine on Facebook or um, Faith's Learning Institute, which we did not get a lot uh, of time to talk about, but that is my tutoring company. And um, yeah, that's it. Oh yeah. So we'll have to talk about Faith Learning Institute uh, when you come on again uh, sometime in June or July, we're going to go ahead and schedule the date. uh, And that'll be a great time to talk about summer loss. Absolutely. uh, So that children don't, you know, undergo summer loss, lose all of everything that they acquired throughout the year. So as I always tell you all, you know, make sure you go to Eventbrite, June 6, 2020. It's going down 3200 East Lafayette, Martin Luther King Jr. Senior High School, the Drawing Board Experience 2020. It will be live and in effect. Make sure that you register. Make sure you share the link. And lastly, the last thing that I have to say to you is that your future is not behind you. It's not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron signing off telling you, wash your hands. God bless.